0: hello everybody this is your host ramon chavez from the late night low coming to you at midnight on wednesday night baby i'm here with the homie Matias, and we're about to take off A thing that we call Lokic. Lokic is where we get either high as fuck or drunk as fuck. So, welcome to the late night low cast, everybody, where we're going to bring to you perspectives from a very tired and a very intoxicated perspective. So, welcome and Let's hope that we can bring to you something that you can take away for not only yourself, but others that you love because that's what we want. We want to show you love and we want to bring love to others not only than yourself, but everyone else. That's what life's about. It's spreading love and knowledge, baby. So how does one get into go-kart racing, professional go-kart racing?
1: Well, professional, never really starts professional. Starts more like a hobby. If you like it, uh, I'd say go to K one, uh, which is the most successful place to go. Uh, see if you like it. If you do like it, uh, you can get into go karting, buy a go kart, uh, select the motor package you want to go into. Uh, there's a lot of different options, but it all starts like at the very basic level because there's so many forms of uh, or ways to like compete in it, and the ladder is like really tall. So to get to the top, it takes a long, long time. Like five-plus years, but I'd say start with K-1, see if you like it, then there's a lot of teams in California that can hook you up and point you in the right direction.
0: Is that is that where you started, going in, like, go-kart warehouse racing, like, the little hobby racing, things like that?
1: Well, the way the way I started, my, my dad uh, was a rally car driver in Argentina. That's where we were born. That's where we were raised, and then we came here to California. Uh, so when we came here, um, kind of followed the... Tradition that he wanted to race and stuff like that. So he got into go karting, and I go to the track with him and just watch him and watch him and watch him. And I was like, damn, I really want to do that. And then he took me to Drummer One, which at the time had gas powered go karts. And I rode one session, which is about, it was about like, it was very short, 14 laps, like 30 second laps. So it was short lived. And I fell in love with it. Then he bought me my first go kart for Christmas. And that's how I got into it when I was 10 years old. Um, and then ever since then, it's been. You know.
0: Yeah, when I was when I was younger, we went into drumma one, and I wasn't tall enough to race. So I I got my heels on my the bottom of my shoes, and just like gave myself an extra inch or two, and I got to race. I still would hit the walls and stuff, but it was really fun. It was a good time, but I can't imagine just just going doing this day by day. Just that was my. This is the difference between you and me is why I I just didn't have an interest in that, but I had other things like sports that I was interested in. and I could see. Why you fell in love With
1: what you fell in love Yeah It's like funny When you go to Drummer 1 Or K-1 You have to be a certain height Or whatever it is To actually like Drive the go-kart Where you go to the track Like the actual track Like Fontana Cal Speed Let's say And there's like Five year olds That are up to my knee And they're driving Like flat out Around the track So Definitely like K-1 Drummer 1 It kind of like Pushes you back If you're like Really 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 young Um, But if you know, someone's listening, and they have a child that's like five years old. You can definitely put them in a go kart. I've seen little toddlers that can't even comprehend the word "high" go into the go kart and go flat out, and and you know, it's pretty crazy.
0: You think they did that height range because of liability issues at drama One, or it was just the standard they thought we should just start at? I mean, because you were saying there's toddlers, and they want to start them young. I mean, if they can handle it, I mean.
1: It's more like a safety thing. Yeah. Um, when you're like the kid carts, it's called. It's the range, the age range of uh, five to seven years old or five to eight years old. So usually, you know, five to eight years old, you're still really young. You're basically a toddler. Um, so, yeah, based off liability and stuff like that, I doubt they want to have five and eight-year-olds crashing their go karts. And go karts are expensive. That's like a whole other world into the world of karting where people don't realize where they think, A lot of parents may think, like, travel ball is very expensive. Oh, it's this much to go travel here and play this, hockey, or whatever it is, whatever travel ball you're doing. Go-karting is one of the most expensive sports you can ever get into, and people do not realize that. People, when they hear karting, I'm a professional go-kart racer, I I race for the USA team like I did in karting, they think K1. That's the first thought they have because that's the only thing they can attach themselves to. Um, Karting is insanely expensive more than anyone can ever imagine and usually when I tell people the the cost of it they can't believe it a lot of the sport car racing or like general racing with cars is cheaper than go-karting but go-karting is the platform where you have to kind of excel in that in order to go to the next step if you want to do it right every formula one driver many nascar drivers many indy car drivers rally car drivers any type of racing maybe besides drag racing and stuff like that Uh, They all come from go karting, and I've raced against many of them. And it's cool because go karting brings everyone back down to earth, kind of. And um, when we go to like nationals, you're on the same playing field kind of same track, same motor, same you have to come in at the same minimum weight. Um, So go karting is the basis of all racing. That's why it's so competitive, that's why it's so expensive because you have so many people trying to make it in the world of racing, but it's so hard because at the end of the day, person with the biggest checkbook is coming out on top
0: yeah how, how many Where do you think a lot of the pricing goes to in go-karting like a majority of it is top three majority factors that go into it
1: uh well first things first all the go-karts made most of them are made in italy so many different brands there's probably about if i had to say off the top of my head maybe 20 brands to say so you're paying for a lot of different materials so what you're paying for in the go-kart the materials The tubing, the bends in it, everything is different. So, every factory that makes it, uh, they have their own different prices. Average uh, go kart price, shifter, let's say, there's two forms you can get in shifter attack. This is adult size, by the way. Um, It can range from anywhere from four grand to eight grand. And then, if you're a heavier person, um, like you, let's say you come in the scales like 10 or 12 pounds heavy, which is a lot in karting, um, there's special edition forms of the go kart you can get. With titanium bolts and some extra
0: suspension,
1: no suspension that's the thing. Like, go karting is just the chassis and the material you use, and it rebounds and it flexes in a certain way. And uh, that's why some people pick certain brands because to aid their weight, uh, some
0: you know, so would it be more stiff flexibility for heavier people or more flexible for heavier people?
1: If you're a really heavy person, you go on the stiffer side because if you go soft, uh, you tend to wear out the material, uh, more, more like more soon. Uh, it depends what level you're racing at. If you're at a pro level, you're changing out your go-kart every three races, at least that's what I did. So every three races, which is you have about three races in one month, you have to fork out another. My go-kart Well, we were the factory importers for USA, so our go-kart at our cost was only like three grand, but to retail, to like a driver that we're selling it to that wants a driver brand, you know, it's $6,000. And so that's one factor. The go-kart itself is just like a huge factor. The initial cost to get into go-karting is so high. So you have the the chassis, which is, let's say, six grand motor. Let's say you're in shifter like me. Shifter is the gearbox. You have six gears and you have a clutch, just like a car. That's... Another five thousand to six thousand. You want to go get a prep to buy a motor builder. That's another thousand dollars. Shipping. Let's say it's another five, like three hundred dollars because most motor builders aren't in where we are now in Southern California. And then other things, just tires. A set is two hundred twenty dollars. You go through, let's say a nationals. You go through at least five to eight sets. Gas. You have to buy from BP Racing. C twelve race fuel. Uh, every five gallons is ninety dollars. And you have to mix that with oil so you're talking about a hundred dollars at least for and five gallons will last you about a day uh, if you're at practice Um, so there's a lot of other costs that go into it Um, like if you go to k1 you crash it's not a big deal they just slow you down and nothing really breaks cuz you have bumpers and stuff it it happens to a lot of people I've rammed the wall many times I've gone under the wall I've made it happen sometimes (laughs) Sometimes, yeah I mean
0: I like winning, but, you know...
1: Yeah, and then, like, you know, if you go out there and you bend an axle, which is very common, that's $240. That's, like, the average price. Tie rods are $40. Shit. At
0: that point, you don't want to hit the wall at all.
1: Steering shafts, which is a very common thing to break, is, like, depending what company you drive for, it's $50 to $100. So, I've seen kids that I've trained and coached, and they wreck every session. And, but they're, you know their parents have so much money that they just it doesn't matter to them and some there's people that you know you get a two different worlds people that have no talent have a lot of money and people that have a lot of talent and no money that's always the general what you see at the track where the good drivers just don't have as much as they should have to compete and then the drivers that suck or not suck but aren't good or they're just average they have such a deep Pocket and it's kind of like that's the problem with racing. Honestly, there's a lot of problems with racing, but that's one of
0: them. I feel like that's it's a really hard thing to gauge between being cautious and just sending it and being risky and in your style. You know,
1: it's a it's something you learn over time. Uh, A lot of people just send it and they say, oh yeah, I'm just gonna wreck through the field and just get to the front. It doesn't work like that because you're actually wrecking people's. Uh, you're literally... As you wreck people, you're causing... Let's say you wreck someone that doesn't have a lot of money, like their parents don't. Um, you know, they're... Yeah. It's, it sucks for them. So, like... A huge delay, there's, I mean. a, there's a general respect you have to go by. You can't just plow through the field and do whatever you want. Because people will get pissed at you, and they will put you in the wall. That's a bad reputation, uh, The too. next session. Okay. Yeah, you... There's people at the track that have a bad reputation, they get put in the wall just because who they are. Because they put other people in the wall. And it sucks because when you put in the wall, you, literally right when you hit the wall, it, like, deductions from your bank account. <laughs> so you're saying- <laughs> Right away.
0: Is there, is there, I've seen like in movies and NASCAR, NASCAR movies specifically, like Dal and Nights or something, people are hitting each other into the wall. Is that, does that happen in racing where people are intentionally trying to bump others out of the way? Or is it like you said that mutual respect? Where most of the time you don't, you don't do that. You just uh, you scale to
1: beat each other. Intentionally bumping out of the way, yeah. Uh, it's not as aggressive as you see on the movies. It's more like a gentle like push against like the other car. Uh, it depends what you're racing to. In go karting, there is bump drafting, there is pushing, there is like a, you know, you you can you know push people out of the way to get in front of them
0: I like it's really but dangerous that's why maybe it's it's gentle because if you go hard you might take yourself out too yeah you know, exactly I think that's why i want to
1: yeah like, i've i've had people try to take me out and they take themselves out in the process and then i keep going and when you're like,
0: when you're racing uh, like do you are you really thinking much while you're going or is it just natural it's just it's just nature within it within your own conscious. you're just racing like, uh, are you thinking of s- small strategies on how to go the next route or is it just all in one moment
1: it's kind of weird uh i've been doing it for 14 years and at this point like i don't nothing really goes through my head because so it's so natural like i don't know it's kind of like picking up a pencil and you're about to write on a piece of paper it's like you're not thinking about how you're gonna move your hand or push the pen into the paper and you're gonna you just do it just flow it's kind of like yeah when you're racing and let's say battling with someone it's kind of like it's all natural like i'm sure i am thinking in the moment but from what i can recall right now as i sit here it's like i'm blank maybe sometimes i'll like say a cuss word in my helmet because like something happened to me but yeah. other than that like you're pretty blank like it's just natural movements natural thought process and it becomes like you become one with like what you're doing it's kind of like the flow of it is very natural and it's like you're really not thinking about anything until you pull off the track and you're like damn like this happened that happened i did this i did this wrong i should have done this uh and then you go back to the pit like recollect your thoughts and you make changes accordingly and you know hopefully it's better for the next run
0: do you do you guys in the pit do you have like ipads or screens like right in between like intermissions that you see things that you can improve on like mid-race or not mid-race but like a tournament or something like whatever you yeah
1: uh like uh so on the go-kart is a system called the uh, AIM, AIM and it's the Micron 5 at the moment uh, until they update it and come out with a new version. So that records everything. It's kind of like a GPS, it records everything, acceleration, where you're at the track, it maps out where you are at the track and and anything else you can imagine. Uh, so usually you look at that and uh, if you don't have teammates, let's say, like I didn't have a teammate for a long time, so you kind of have to base it off like your own data. So. Data analysis is huge in racing. Um, it's really what makes you go faster if you know how to apply it. It's very important to understand what... If I go to a kid, I'm like, hey, like, I'm looking at the graph, I'm looking at the track, you're five feet too wide here, you're accelerating too slow here, or you're too early. All those things are factors into like how what your lap time is. And in racing and go-karting especially, like, we're really in any form of racing. You're fighting for tents. Yeah, now you're not fighting for a second you're fighting for two tenths three tenths four tenths of a second and it's kind of like counts. the thing is in racing like uh you can start out in racing let's say you do it for two years and you will get within a second of my time the following second to get to my time will take you five to ten years that's the hardest part because that's where you really have to craft your skill and data is super important and there's so many kids or you know adults that want to look at data want to look at data and they look at it go out to the track do exactly what they were doing before because they don't apply it that's when, when these kids ask me like let me look at the data i'm like you can look at it but you just have to apply it like i'm giving you this i'm giving you the answers to the test but you decide to look away from it when you go to the track when you go on track it's kind of like it's exactly like giving the answers to a test you're telling them exactly what they're doing wrong, and, you know, some It's
0: almost like you just have to fight your muscle memory in a way. Yeah, because it's, it's all minor, muscle memory. Minor adjustments.
1: A lot of it's fear. A lot of people think, oh, I can't do that, or I can't go this fast in the corner, or I can't break that late or accelerate this early. It's like, yeah, you can, because there's 20 other kids that are doing it, and you're 25th, let's say, and the difference between you and first place is two corners It's kind of like but some people can't put A and B together so that's the struggle they have and that's uh, there's a lot of things that you learn throughout your racing like life and uh, putting the pieces together when you're looking at data is huge yeah. it's
0: I, I wouldn't I don't know anything other than that where as far as you have to analyze data like in sports that I played and we just watched the film and, and there was not much statistical analysis we just or d- data analysis we just yeah you know it made these physical adjustments like but yeah. It's crazy, man.
1: I mean, like a big problem, a lot of people in racing especially rely on others. Um you have an engine builder, you have a tuner, you have a mechanic. Engine builder clearly he tunes your motor to go the fastest can. Tuner decides what changes to happen to your go-kart Basing, based on what he sees or what you tell um them. they're they don't know anything. They come off the track, they say one or two things that are wrong and then um they go and play with their friends. It's super important to develop like and to understand what's going on on track, when and what changes have to happen, but like what changes have to happen based on like what you think sh- you should change on the go kart, let's say, not what your tuner says, because a lot of times the tuner isn't always right. Yeah. And uh, you're just one like, in it, you're, you're doing it. You gotta take, you got yeah, you gotta take the bull by the horns and you gotta ride your own wave. Because let's say you're not there and you want to go to practice one day and you're by yourself, like okay, you're literally just doing laps. Or you have to fix something like you're done for the day what if what if you break something in the morning
0: that's hard to differentiate between what someone else says from from what they see to what you're what you're doing yourself firsthand experience it's hard to gauge the medium of what you can take away from them and what you know is right that's it's hard
1: yeah i mean a good driver uh will be well-rounded and know what he needs and then knows how to do it knows how to make the changes and then you know motors a whole different topic where you have to kind of like pick the motor builders
0: brain just, and i feel like there's just too much for us to talk about specifically you and and, and the world of racing oh yeah and we can i can't we can go put, deep i can't put it into a 20 minute episode if i put it into you know a 5 hour episode but part two <laughs> Or two of ten. It's been it's been a really good you know conversation with you about this because I I don't know a lot. There's still so much, and I won't never know to an extent until I actually get into that world, which I probably never will. But there's also cool things with this that we can take away. I can take away similarities to what I've done in my sports careers or whatever hobbies I take away. You know, as far as like actual practice you have to practice and practice and practice and and you'll just get better as you go it's not it's not a short-term race no matter what race you actually it's always long-term very long it's deep the depths are deep as far as getting better yeah oh yeah so but if there's anything you know anyone can take away from what you had to say I would say that it's practice
1: makes practice makes perfect yeah I used to go to the track three to four times a week. And and I still was not the top of the nation. I was sixth in the nation. And so there's five other guys that are doing it just like me, and they're better than me. So it's like practice makes perfect, always. Even if you think it's repetitive, and you think you're not learning anything, even if you think you're not improving, trust me, you are. Because the following day, let's say it's game day in football or race day in racing, when you get into it, it's just that much more uh, natural with, like, you're about to do and let you get up to speed a lot quicker if you play football every day it's like you know when you get on the field you're right away know your duties what you have to do how fast you have to run plays it just becomes like a second nature and that's like the goal to become professional you have to make it literally your life you have to eat sleep breathe whatever you're about to do and just treat it as if you're going to the store to get groceries like some people do it's like literally walking on the field for football players let's say it's like this is another day it's just like practice I've done this three times this week already let's do it again yeah
0: I also think that a lot of everyone in almost every field it's they look at what are the adjustments that we can make in the bigger picture and I think it it depends on the small the little things that really can can put you ahead we, we, we tend to overlook those little things, and like you said, every fraction counts, and you know, you just gotta take it step-by-step.
1: Step. Yeah, some people get discouraged doing the step-by-step thing, but that's the only way to the ladder, to go up. It's the only, there's no elevator in life for uh, to become a pro, or become a good teacher, if you're listening to this teacher. Um, each step. Each step is a stepping stone, and that much better, so you know just like your teacher first day I'm sure he wasn't the best every day that goes by he literally gets better maybe he thinks he doesn't but he is so it's everything's everything in life is really practice makes perfect talking to people if you have social anxiety talking to people it applies to everything if you you know so you know yeah.
0: Matias it has been a great podcast with you I'm glad you can come on and um, I hope to have you in another day gonna have a more Detail. Part two coming soon. Yeah, part two. All part right. two of ten. Late night low cast, everybody.
1: Late night low cast, baby. it <laughs>